Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. The evolution of architectural practice has been relatively slow towards change. Yet modern shifts in business and design management have prompted today's leading architects to rethink how they are working. Welcome to Practice Disrupted, a podcast produced by Gable Media from the creative leaders of Practice of Architecture. I'm Evelyn Lee. And I'm Janine Chastain. And we're here to explore how technology, cultural shifts, and emerging business strategies are changing how architects are building their careers and firms. Join us as we talk with industry leaders and explore the new frontier of practice. A podcast that is so very needed right now. Practice Disrupted. Coming to Gable Media. Follow us on social media and visit gablemedia.com for updates. My name is Mark Arlapage and you are listening to Entree Architect Podcast, where each and every week I speak with inspiring, passionate people who share their knowledge and expertise, all to help you build a better business as a small firm entrepreneur architect. This is episode 326, Sharing Stories of Detroit's Black Architects with Sandra Little and Karen Davis-Burton of Noir Design Party. This episode of Entree Architect Podcast is supported by our platform sponsors, Gusto, easy online payroll, benefits, and HR built for modern small businesses like ours. FreshBooks, the cloud-based accounting software that makes running your small firm easy, fast, and secure. And RCAT, the online resource delivering quality building material information, CAD details, 
BIM specifications, and much more at rcat.com. Sandra Little and Karen Davis Burton, welcome to Entree Architect Podcast. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Mark. Thanks Appreciate for having you. us. Yeah, it's great to have you here. Sandra and Karen are the founders of Noir Design Party. A Knights Arts Challenge winner, Noir Design Party is a project designed to research and tell the stories of the professional journeys and creative works of Detroit's black architects. And I, would, and I, and I can't wait to learn more about this project uh, and what you're doing, what inspired the project, um, and how others can sort of dive deeper and learn more about the project. But before we do that, I want to know more about each of you. I want to go dive into your origin stories. I want to know where... Uh, what inspired you each to become uh, architects and share that story to where we are today. Let's start with Sandra. Uh, thank you, Mark. Um, yeah, I, I guess um, I've always known uh, I, I wanted to be uh, an architect at a, a very young age. I would say around age 12 uh, before before starting like junior high or any of that. I, I had talked to my mother about an, an entrance in a uh, a career that involved art and I wanted to, and I had to do research myself to kind of figure out what that respectable career was to bring to my mom. I had to feel like it had to be something that she would like, okay, th- she would support and say, yeah, that that would be great to do. So uh, just started to kind of learn about architecture and, and research it in school and did a term paper on Mies van der Rohe when I was in school. And, and, and early in high school. So just trying to everything that I could to get my hands on to learn more about it, uh, took drafting classes and it just got me further pulled into uh, into the career. Um, I uh, then went on from high school to go to Lawrence Technological University here in the state of Michigan, Southfield, Michigan, uh, and got my undergrad in 94 and my master's in 98 uh, from uh, Lawrence, both from Lawrence Technological University. Um, and it ended up getting my, uh, I took the straight path, right? I, I, I went to my intern development and took my license exam. Um, I was actually taking like some of my nice license exam during nine 11, uh, cause I had an oh, exam wow. actually, <laughs> yeah, scheduled actually the day before, uh, I, I took off nine 11 to study for an exam that I had on <laughs> September 12th. And, uh, so I got my license, uh, in, uh, 2002, that year, that following year, um, I was taking an exam when it was still nine parts. Uh, so I, I had a, a direct path and a goal that I was chasing. I wanted to uh, definitely be able to say I am a licensed architect, and that was important to me. Uh, and since then, uh, just just been very fortunate to work on great projects uh, within the state of Michigan and, and within the Detroit city proper. Uh, anywhere from the Arab American Museum in Dearborn to uh, the North Terminal Airport uh, out here uh, uh, that everybody comes into Detroit, the North Terminal, uh, and a number of community projects that have just been uh, very uh, fortunate to, to work on within the city. Uh, the James, um, David Klein um, Art, Museum, uh, Art uh, Gallery, which is downtown, um, tech town, uh, co-working space and actually, uh, Karen actually owns a co-working space as well. So space labs, Detroit is another co-working space we've done in Detroit. Um, started my own firm 
during the recession. A lot of things happen when things are kind of seems like they're <laughs> rough. Uh, uh, so I started uh, my own firm, Centric Design Studio, uh, or co-founded my own firm, Centric Design Studio, during 2008, uh, November, with my business partner, Damon Thomas. Did you that, did you start that firm um, because th- that was in the timeline? Or was there a strategy to starting it at that moment? There, there was there was not a strategy, so that we started it based on the recession. Um, it it actually had started it prior to that because Damon Thomas and I were actually um, uh, college uh, friends and started the practice just to enter design competitions, uh, and and we did enter a couple, one in Harlem, one out of Mexico, and just uh, just trying to uh, find our creative uh, juices and and. Uh, hoping that would be like a, a launch pad to uh, our firm getting this start, uh, winning a design competition and then being this successful firm to start it out. Um, but we entered a couple, um, actually missed a couple of deadlines, trying to ship things out of country and different things like that. So learned a lot about working together. Um, and then when the recession hit, my business partner I, and I got laid off. Uh, from two firms here locally in Michigan within two weeks of each other mm. and decided to start our um, our firm uh, full time at that point, um, used our existing networks and grew our practice. Uh, like I said, listing out some of those projects I just uh, mentioned and, um, and, and had a wonderful ride with Detroit's uh, revival and revitalization towards building up our firm uh, for 10 years until we actually um, uh, were acquired and a uh, firm was purchased by Quinn Evans uh, Architects here um, in, in Michigan. So it's been a, a, a quite a ride, <laughs> lots of turns, but uh, good, good turns. I, I guess I can actually say I enjoyed, I enjoyed myself. Yeah, that's a great story. Uh, the, um, I wanted to just, before we get into Karen's story, I wanted to ask just one question about starting the firm during the recession, uh, because I've had other people on the, on the show who've started at that same time for the same mm-hmm. reason they were laid off and it was, that was, that was the only way that was the only option. Um, in, right. hi, in hindsight, do you see that, that time and that the opportunity to launch at that moment as a liability at that moment? Or do you think that that was a, a an asset, a, a gift, basically an opportunity to be able to launch during a time that's sort of slow and you know, you had to struggle a little bit more. Yeah. It, it, well, now that I look back at it, yes, I can look at it as a gift, but then I did not. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, it, it was very much so like it was, I felt um, I had no other place to go because at the time I was caregiving for my parents. Um, so I felt like, okay, in Detroit things, everybody always say if, if the rest of the nation has a, a cold, Detroit has a flu. And we felt like with the with everything going on with the big three and what was going to be the next thing for Detroit, it seemed it seemed very bleak. So yeah, uh, and and I had no idea of the 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 momentum that would come behind uh, Detroit and its creative industry, the uh, re, uh, the changing around of downtown. Just I, I did not have that uh, foresight to see that. Like I said, it just um, after being on ground zero, I could say I was, I ended up being connected to a lot of things that were happening on that ride up. So, um, being on the newly formed at the time, Detroit creative corridor. Now it's called design, um, core Detroit here that helped, uh, actually get Detroit as one of the first cities in the U S on the UNESCO design and, and being able to, 
ride that uh, creative push by all the business leaders in Michigan to to bring creativity back to Detroit. It's just being on the ground level with all those networks and the projects led to um, exposure. It led to uh, just just so many things that we had no idea of and 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 we did not have in our business plan. It just uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and and now now your firm grew and Quinn Evans acquired, and now you're a, a principal at Quinn Evans. That's correct. So yes. so you know this it's so, so through the ride and through all the struggle to build a firm at that time and and build into a firm that that uh, was strong enough that a larger firm would be interested in it. I want to have you come back. We talked a little bit about this before we <laughs> okay. before okay. before we had before we hit record because I want to hear more of that story because I think yeah, there's a really- lot of architects. Who are you know, especially now with this this you know this abrupt downturn, um, I think wow. there are a lot of architects that are sort of having those thoughts right now. What am I going to do if things don't work out the way I plan? I'd love to have a story that's sort of you know a different time, but a similar situation, um, and have that whole story be told. So um, I want to focus on your project. So we'll come. Well, I'll invite you back to do that. Okay, I would love thank to, you. I would Mark. love to Appreciate do that. It. Yes, definitely. I would love to do that as well. All right, cool. Um, so Karen, I want to know your origin story. Sure. Where did you discover architecture? What inspired you to become an architect and, and share your story? So um, my path is not as linear as Sandra's <laughs> and it's still kind of wavy. <laughs> okay. So um, when I was younger, I really loved art uh, and math. Uh, I had an uncle who was an architect, Harold Ward. Uh, he uh, was an architect here in the city of Detroit, and but he passed away when I was really young. So uh, my family, I believe, kind of pushed me in the architecture direction. Um, they always talked about Uncle Harold and that he worked on Cobo Center here in Detroit. Uh, he was one of the architects for that project with Giffels Rossetti. So um, we also, um, my dad would walk me through um, different uh, housing developments in our neighborhood as they were going up. And I love to see the structure, the joists and the studs and everything and, and seeing the project from start to finish. Um, so that was my first entry into architecture. I also had a, a friend in elementary school and her dad was an architect. Uh, and he would visit our class uh, sometimes. So I think uh, around the fourth grade is when I decided that I wanted to be an architect and always, you know, follow that path, you know, took drafting classes and things in um, middle school and high school um, so I could get into architecture school and have some type of portfolio. Um, Attended the University of Michigan. I got my undergraduate degree in architecture. Um, I also took classes in construction management, real estate development in the business school. Um, and I liked architectural history. So this is kind of coming back full circle for me yeah. uh, to look at the history of the architects in Detroit. Um, but when I got out, I graduated during a recession. I was one of the few people in my class that got a job in architecture. Um, but it didn't last long. Um, so I decided that I wanted to start my own drafting company. Uh, so I did drafting and graphic design. Um, and I was working in Flint, Michigan at the time. Um, decided, um, I finally did get another architecture job. I was at an architecture and engineering firm. 
uh, right outside of Flint. Um, but I decided that uh, where I was didn't want to pay me enough. So I decided to move closer to Detroit. Uh, I got a job at General Motors in uh, facilities management, uh, doing space planning and uh, some architectural design. And I really loved that job, but um, I was working for Kelly Service through Kelly Services. And I said, hey, wait a minute, Kelly Services is getting part of my money. <laughs> I could contract myself out. So I sent out my resume and my portfolio to a lot of different firms. And Smith Group was the first company to hire me. And I got to work on a lot of great projects there, um, Ford Field, um, Lions Training Facility, the Detroit Lions Training Facility, um, projects for University of Michigan at Michigan State. Um, but I was a consultant and a, a freelancer with them, uh, doing technical design, um, CAD drafting, um, and production work. Um, so that was kind of my sweet spot because uh, after that project ended, that job ended, I worked for um, quite a few other architecture firms and did my own um, projects as well. Uh, a lot of multifamily and single family residential projects on my own. Um, and then the recession hit. Uh, and I think around that time, well, I'm sorry, let me move back a little bit. I started working with Hamilton Anderson Architects, and that's where Sandra and I met. Uh, we were working on the city center Las Vegas project. Yeah. Um, so uh, we got to know each other a little bit, uh, and then we kind of parted ways during the recession. Uh, but then when she started her firm, uh, I, I think I took a, a Revit class with you. I wanted to learn Revit and her firm was giving people classes. She and Damon were teaching people how to use Revit. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, so that's that was a big help for some people during the recession to learn um, a new skill. So I, I have never known of another architecture firm to do something like that, um, training people to, uh, people that didn't work for them, training them to use a new product. And, and a lot of people were not using Revit at that time. So um, I had started working on my Master of Business Administration at Wayne State University. Um, and I really liked the marketing side. Uh, I really liked marketing when I was taking my classes. And I, in, my, um, in my career, I had worked with some of the architecture firms on their marketing and business development efforts. Uh, I worked for a construction company when I was in college and I learned about bidding and proposals. Uh, so I really like the marketing side of the business. Um, so I started to consult in that area for smaller firms that did not have that in-house uh, for architecture and engineering companies and some construction companies. Uh, and Sandra's firm was one of those companies that hired me. Um, and we got to work a lot closer there. Uh, and then uh, she came, uh, started talking about um, how she wanted to uh, research architecture in Detroit, black architects in Detroit, and the Knights Arts Challenge came along. And I said, maybe we should, or maybe you, I think I said, maybe you should apply <laughs> for this grant. <laughs> 
And somehow I was the one that ended up writing the little blurb that got the ball rolling. So <laughs> that's how we started Noir Design Party. Uh, in the meantime, um, the city of Detroit, um, they had a program called Motor City Match and they were helping businesses to uh, start up in the city. They would give grant money for businesses to start in the city. Um, and I had always dreamed of starting some type of collaborative workspace for smaller firms that, um, uh, that would have the same amenities in their office uh, so that they could have the same amenities in their office as larger firms could. Um, so co-working was starting to grow around that time. Um, actually, I, uh, another colleague of ours and I started thinking about the co-working concept back in the early 2000s. I wasn't even called co-working then. Uh, but my husband uh, took a buyout from his company around that time, around 2016. Uh, and we decided to open Space Lab Detroit. That's uh, co-working and shared office space. Uh, a lot of our focus here is on the design and construction industry. Um, and we have a lot, we have four members who, four member firms um, that are architects. We have construction managers, real estate developers, all here in our space. And this is another way that Sandra and I have collaborated because Sandra was the architect, her firm, Centric Design Studio at the time, uh, was the architect uh, for the design of the space. So uh, that's where I am right now at Space Lab Detroit. Um, we are still open. So we do have some of our members that are working here now, uh, just a couple. And then we have a day pass member because we know that there are some entrepreneurs who still need to get out and get some work done. So we're practicing our social distancing <laughs> and um, disinfecting the meeting rooms after people finish, and, but um, we're still here. We're still here for people. If you need to print out some construction documents, we got the plotter. <laughs> so. Yeah, I, I love that idea. I love the idea of bringing firms together to collaborate and having mm -hmm. a space and the equipment. I would. You know, I would love Karen for you to come back too, <laughs> to have that okay. conversation because okay. because uh, I think that there are other architects that have I've heard that before where where there are other firms that want to do that where firms want to come together, uh, mm -hmm. stay independent as firms, but then collaborate on on production staff and and equipment and that kind of thing. And so right, I'd, I'd right. love to have that conversation too. But and I, it's, it's grown pretty uh, pretty organically here. They didn't they didn't initially start out to work together. They just needed office space, but now they're proposing on projects together and working on things that they probably could not have gotten on their own uh, as a single firm. Week after week, episode after episode, you hear me talk about some great companies who provide outstanding products and services to help us small firm architects build better businesses. Gusto, FreshBooks, and Arcat have been dedicated supporters of the Entree Architect community and this podcast for years. Every episode, I ask you to check them out and thank them for supporting us. Because with their support, we've been able to grow this podcast. And in turn, we've been able to grow the Entree Architect platform, serving the global community of small firm architects like you. So today, I want to stop and thank you, the Entree Architect community, for supporting them, our loyal platform sponsors, 
And I want to ask you to make an extra effort this week to connect with each sponsor, Gusto, FreshBooks, and ArtCat. Using the links that I'll share in a minute, you can find their contact forms and thank them. I mean like literally thank them because as the economy shifts and slows, marketing budgets are shrinking. Companies are going to need to choose where they spend their marketing dollars. And we want them to spend them here with us supporting the Entree Architect community. So let me take a little bit of time here and share a little bit of information for each sponsor and the link for, for where you can connect and then pause this episode right now and connect with each sponsor. Gusto, FreshBooks, and RCAT. Small businesses across the country love running payroll with Gusto. Gusto automatically files and pays your taxes. It's super easy to use and you can add benefits and management tools to help take care of your team and keep your business safe. It's loyal, it's modern, and let's face it, we all need some help with our payroll and taxes. Gusto is making it easy so we can focus on being architects. So give Gusto a try for free for three months. The link to give Gusto a try is entrearchitect.com slash Gusto. That's the link to connect and say thank you for supporting Entree Architect. Visit entrearchitect.com slash Gusto today. FreshBooks wants you to know that you're not alone. FreshBooks has been supporting small businesses and solopreneurs, and specifically, they've been supporting us here at Entree Architect Podcast for years. They know what it's like, how lonely it may be working from home. They know what it's like when times get tough. And they know that right now, as we all face this crisis together as a global community, we all need to do our part. So FreshBooks is responding and offering an unprecedented offer. Now, when you join FreshBooks, the cloud-based accounting software, you will receive 60% off for six months. 60% off for six months. Just visit entrearchitect.com slash FreshBooks, entrearchitect.com slash FreshBooks, and enter Entree Architect in the How Did You Hear About Us section. Don't forget to do that. That's 60% off their regular price for six months. So visit entrearchitect.com slash FreshBooks, sign up for that 60% off, then go find their contact form and thank FreshBooks for being such a long time loyal supporter of Entree Architect. That's entrearchitect.com slash FreshBooks. As you and your team are working from home, are the logistics of putting together a project daunting when no one is in the same room? RCAT has a solution for you and it's free. RCAT's Charette allows you to manage projects and specification documents online with multiple team members. Discuss products, configurations, outline specs, project photos, documents, and so much more all on one page, along with the ability to access product information, specifications, CAD, BIM, and the patented spec wizard from anywhere in the world. Charette can help your firm get more done, no matter where in the world you might be. You can even promote your firm's project when you're done. And like all of our cat solutions, it's completely free to use. So check it out right now at entrearchitect.com slash rcat. That's entrearchitect.com slash rcat. A-R-C-A-T. Entrearchitect.com slash rcat. And don't forget to thank our cat for the years and years of their support 
for the Entree Architect community. So thank you, the Entree Architect community, for supporting them, our loyal platform sponsors, Gusto, FreshBooks, and RCAT. I want to stay focused on uh, Noir Design Partie, your, your project, to both of you uh, co-founders of it. Let's start first with um, the, the Knight's Arts Challenge. What, what is the Knight's Arts Challenge? And then I'd like to know uh, m- in more depth, what is the, the um, you know, Noir Design Partie project? So let's start with the challenge itself, the grant. So the Knights uh, Arts Foundation or the, the Knight Foundation uh, based in Florida um, gives grants. Uh, they have an annual grant program in different cities around the country. And they award um, grants to people with innovative or creative arts ideas. Um, So in our cohort, I guess you would call it, uh, the awardees in our our section in 2016, we had um, dance groups, we had a metal artist, uh, there were, uh, Sandra, help me, can you think of a few more? There were at least 30 yeah, grant like, awardees, right? Yes. Um, in all large, different large, areas yeah. of the arts. Yeah. So um, I don't believe that the Knights uh, Foundation had ever had, or this Knights Arts Challenge had ever had, or really focused on architecture as one of the grant awardees. Um, because they were very interested in having our project um, uh, in there, in this cohort, um, or in this area uh, for grant awardees. Great. So, so we, so I, I, we understand. So, do they? So they're based in Florida, but do they focus on specific regions? So, when they, when the cohort that you just described, are they all based mm-hmm. in Detroit? Uh, so our cohort, yes, is okay. based in Detroit, Got it. Um, but there are several other cities where they give grants as well. Um, so, and there will be several people within those cohort, cohorts also. So, um, yeah, just different areas of the arts. Um, our focus, uh, because we do believe that architecture is an art form. Um, so our focus is on the architecture of the city of Detroit. And the uh, grants that they give should be specific to each city. So they are specific to each city. So how does um, the art that you are focusing on uh, enhance the city and focus on the city that you're in? Right. And that's what I wanted to clarify because mm-hmm. I wanted to make sure that that um, the the challenge was specific for Detroit and the intent yes. was to not only uh, promote art but to help benefit the city. That they're, Correct. That they're focused Correct. on. Correct. Yes. Great. So let's. I just, I just, just looked it up. Now that you were talking, it's yep. four cities right now that they really uh, do the grant channels in. Miami is one. St. Paul, Detroit, Akron um, are the other uh, cities that they kind of focus in with the challenge grant now. Great. So if there, are, if there are listeners out there who have some ideas for something like this, go to the to the Knights Foundation website and go check that out. It's called the Knights Arts Challenge. And, uh, you know, you could uh, apply. Maybe you can get a grant and, and uh, you know, ex- develop a program. And the the like, grant. Go ahead. The, the awards go up to, excuse me, the awards go up to, I think, $100,000. Uh, it is a matching grant, though, so you have to raise matching funds for that. 
So great. So it's that a was, substantial amount. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I have to say too, that's one of the. Uh, uh, I, I think one of the things that architects are not used to doing is that kind of that outside financial reach for different mm-hmm. things. Right, so yeah. that's been uh, very. Uh, it's been a challenge for us. You know, we've been we've been. As, as part of the project, uh, trying to do activities, have tours that are based on African-American architects and, uh, you know, charge for them and partner with other entities. And it's just it's, it's time consuming to, you know, to uh, do it by yourself. So partnership is key. Yeah. Uh, so, like I said, reaching out to the community and, 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 and actually using their resources as far as uh, entities that can help with insurance for uh, busts and tours and different things like that has helped us. Uh, so it's it's been a, a like I said we've learned a lot uh, during the process of uh, trying to figure out how to raise funds to do this. And some of it has been, been direct reach to um, architectural firms and entities. You know, just uh, this is what we're doing and they support our idea. And so we've had people support us in that way as well. Yeah, excellent. Um, Sandra, can you um, explain? in more detail what the project is sort of go back yes. to the beginning and sort of explain you talked a little bit about what inspired it your, your interest in history and right. the history of, of Detroit specifically um, but what is the project and why did you start it okay so yeah we um, as as we're out in the community and like I said and especially with things like UNESCO City of Design for Detroit um, it's, it's, it was all things that made me think about, okay, I'm sitting at an advisory board table for UNESCO City of Design and helping them with the application, but I'm the only African-American architect in the room. Um, and then, and just hearing people say that, oh, I did, I don't know a lot of African-American architects. Are there other African-American architects? And I'm like, yes, of course there are, right? <laughs> and not, <laughs> and not realizing too, that that is, that is our network, our our kind of uh, so a social system that we kind of adapt to, you know, we ad- kind of created with organizations like National Organization of Minority Architects. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just it's just to help others along the way. It's kind of like a family almost, in, in uh, with the knowing architects almost across the country because you 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 try to have these connection points and not realizing that others don't know about this network, others don't know about the history behind this network. And um, so to hear people say that, I was like, well, you know, that was one of the first small firms I worked for was an African-American, uh, two African-American architecture firms. And um, and I said, you know, you never heard of Jane Scott. You never heard of Emmett Hager. And they're like, no. And I'm like, OK. And, you know, and we, to we need hear to fix that, this. <laughs> it was like, it was like, so to hear that repeatedly, and I know that they were big catalysts for my career, I, I'm like, yeah, we need to fix this. We need to figure this out. And and I told Karen too. This is one of the the things that we would do as she she was consulting with us in our firm. She would be in there uh, for you know we we're putting together proposals or whatever uh, she was helping us with. We start conversations right in the office, and you know I'm telling her how much of a big difference it made to me in college. Um, you know, not not being able to meet an African American architect prior to starting college. I met a couple in college. But to come across the book that Jack Travis had done uh, called African-American Architects in Practice really opened my eyes to to the number of firms across the country and what uh, the National Organization of Minority Architects had done and and, and all of that's in the book. And 
uh, how that was an inspiration to me in college. And and then after getting out in my professional career, and like Karen said, I was working at Hamilton Anderson, um, when we, which is an African-American-owned architecture firm here in Detroit. Um, we, we were setting up and starting, restarting the NOMA chapter here in Detroit and, and, and during that time. And then I started, and then I, like other students had been to NOMA conferences during college, but I had not. My first NOMA conference experience was when I was out of, of college and in my professional career, already licensed really. And I met Jack Travis at one of the NOMA conference that we had in, I think it was in Orlando, Florida. And I walked up to him. I was like, this is just, this has been a great honor meeting you. I really, your book was such an inspiration to me and helped me through college. When are you going to write the next edition of African-American Architects and Practice? There are so many new firms out here. And he looked at me, he said, well, I'm doing other things now. I'm, I'm, you know, he's, he's off actually studying kind of, um, camera, what he's calling like the African aesthetic. He was like, you know, something like that. That's for the next generation to do. That's someone, that's something for someone like you to do. And I'm, I'm telling Karen the story and she was like, yeah, you should write a book. I was like, oh yeah. Started a firm and writing a book. Yeah. This is (laughs) with all my extra time. Right. Right. Um, but we, we kept, we kept, you know, talking about it and, 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 and kind of just started on a path. Like what, what, what if we were to do this? We do, we're right in that 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 time frame and that generation that's in between, like the uh, the generation that was when I got out of college that was almost like just the second generation of uh, African American architects mm-hmm. here in Detroit and all the new uh, architects that are graduating. We're right in the middle. We're like the connection point. So I think we can use that to our advantage because uh, we can get those stories that the next generation does not know about, um, and then actually what really kind of catapulted us into submitting for the Knights grant was we started to lose a number of African-American architects here that were in that first generation. Mm -hmm. So Roger Mardrum um, passed away. Uh, Sims and Varner, both which uh, owned one of the largest architecture firms here in Detroit, they both uh, passed away within years of each other. And, And it just really started to scare me like, okay, they're passing away. I did have an opportunity to spend time with them and get some of their story. This is like Roger Marjoram, the NOMA chapter that we started here in Detroit. We did a lifetime achievement award for Roger Marjoram and spent time with him and started collecting and scanning his some of his work and did an exhibit for him. So we were able to get some data um, before his passing. So we were like, we need to do this before others pass away. And it was just like, it was just happening so fast. So. We were like, at least we do because of our networks. We know the family members. We know colleagues that work with them. We need to interview and talk with these colleagues, family members, and start to document their stories. So we, Karen and I have literally been in, in living rooms of colleagues <laughs> of Roger Marjoram. We've been in family members' homes of Sims and, and have them sit down and just pull out newspaper clippings and talk about their family. Um, and we have been gathering that information. So as part of the grant, when we submitted it, it, we we had our point with the other project was to, uh, do video vignette storytelling, uh, to have a, uh, online directory that listed out each of the architects by generation. It was to, um, also, um, 
uh, get as much, you know, photographs and different things that we can get and see if we can put that into a produced website at the, at the end that people could now search online and find out about African-American architects. Because you the names that I've been mentioning, uh, more of their names are now popping up online because of our research and our lectures and our tours. But before then, you could not Google any of them online. So we've uh, we made it a point that at the end of the project, we wanted to, people to be able to find out about the rich history of African-Americans and their contribution in Michigan. And then um, we, we actually came up with the name Noir Design Party too, because it was Detroit focused. We're doing all of Michigan, but it's Detroit focused and Detroit is a French city. So we named the project uh, kind of with a French background. So that's where Noir is uh, French for black and then uh, design and then the party concept sketch. Uh, so we're going to kind of give you a, a, a concept of what it's like for an African-American architect in, within our project. So that's good. So, so is it essentially an archive? Is that, is that sort of the, the core of it? Is it yes, a, is that it's a depository of, of the history of black architecture in Detroit and Michigan? And then correct. once it's sort of assembled as an archive, then it sort of could be distributed out to the public? Correct. Digitized right. and a lot of things, scanning a lot of uh, things. Actually, Karen has opened up Space Labs Detroit that we tell any of the architects that they need to drop off any information, you can bring it to Space Labs Detroit and uh, we'll scan everything that you have uh, and start to create a digital uh, archive of everything. So it's uh, it's the first of its kind. We actually are talking about the same thing, too, within the National Organization of Minority Architects, how to do that on a national level. And it's actually starting to come to a point that each city is going to do this kind of same thing. Um, yeah, so you're, with, you're answering my questions before I ask okay. them because that, that, <laughs> that's actually one of my questions is, okay. is, is because this is clearly a great model. Um, and there are there's architecture and black architects all over the, the country, all over the world. Um, and so do you see this as sort of a, a model for other cities to be able to do similar things? I think it could be uh, a model and some other cities like Atlanta, um, they've started compiling information, uh, their NOMA chapter. Uh, Los Angeles has created a map of um, architecture done by African-American architects in that city. Uh, and when the NOMA conference was there, I believe when the NOMA conference was there recently, um, they did some tours. Uh, and we do the same thing. We have a map of um, Detroit architects work and we tour through downtown and midtown. So, and uh, Pascal Sablon uh, has an exhibit that she has traveling around the country and around the world uh, called Say It Loud. Um, so she's doing uh, some of the same information, compiling um, not necessarily history, but information about uh, architects that are currently practicing. Do you, you know, um Sandra mentioned a little bit about the, the, the link between the, the past generation to the future generation. Um, do you both sort of feel a sense of responsibility to execute on this project? That once, I know that the project was sort of a passion project, but now that you're doing it, do you sort of have that sense of responsibility that you are the link, that if you don't do it, that this link may not be connected and you'll lose some of that history? Yes. Yes. It's, it's, we uh, do. Yeah, we do. Um, and, 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 and now it's like every, 
every year now people are contacting us for events. Like, so every Black History Month, we have a series of talks that we do during February for uh, Black History uh, in Detroit. We've talked at the University of Detroit Mercy School of Architecture. AIA Detroit has contacted us. We've done a talk with them. Uh, and also Building uh, Matters uh, out of Ann Arbor. So we've talked with them in, in, in the Ann Arbor Public Library. So we've become like these, we have these bookings now for out, outreach events. And we now partnered with the Detroit Historical Museum last year to do a tour of Midtown and Downtown with uh, African-American architects work in the areas downtown. And this year they already contacted us as like, okay, we wanna book it ahead of time now. We wanna, we wanna get a date, what date works for you. So it's like, we're all in now. Um, <laughs> it, it, you know, everybody, if they actually have a question on an African-American architect uh, here locally, they contact us. Um, uh, yeah, so, and, and, and now we feel like it's our responsibility that we have to get it where it's not just with us, and it's accessible to all. So to get, finish that website piece and now having the information to put on the website, because that took a mm-hmm. minute too, to scan all the stuff and different things that we are gonna, you know, some of the things we're gonna put up there. So uh, yeah, now it's our responsibility to get it to the world. Uh, Cause we, we now see that, it, that now that we're talking about it, uh, others are interested um, and we've talked to students and students are interested and inspired by it. So, and want to volunteer to help us? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's yeah, that's so. actually my next question is 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 there a way for people to help you? Is there any way for listeners of this show listening to what you're doing, whether they sort of want to do something similar where they are, or whether there's some way that they can help you? Um, do you have any suggestions for them to be able to to reach out to you? They can contact us at hello at Noir Design Party. So hello at N-O-I-R Design P-A-R-T-I dot com. Okay. Well, and we'd be happy to talk with them and, and answer any questions. Um, it'd be great if other people wanted to do something similar. And we'll have that we'll have that email address on the show notes as well. So you can just go to the show notes for this episode and we'll have a link to that email as well. Do you have a team or is it just the two of you right now? Well, it's, uh, it's, it's mainly the two of us, but we've, um, I've actually, I have to be thankful to my business partner because I've used firm resources for this in the past. (laughs) (laughs) When I was at, uh, uh, we had our own firm, uh, Centric Design Studio. So, um, and actually we were fortunate enough too with, uh, one year being a small business, uh, we were able to get student interns to come into the office uh, that were looking for experience in um, an architectural firm. So we actually had a couple of students in, I think that was the summer of, was that 2018? 2018, I believe yeah, it was, yeah. We had a number of students that helped us with our first exhibit boards that we put together for an exhibit that we did for the month of design and at the University of Detroit Mercy, um, those students uh, did we're we're learning Adobe software and uh, you know <laughs> learning <laughs> putting together timelines and graphics and and um, actually learning a lot uh, and actually in in our office actually doing it so they they got exposure to architecture that was not the only thing they worked on for the whole summer but they had other things too but we were able to use that the, uh, those students as resources a couple of uh, students from at the time it was Henry Ford Academy uh, a local high school. And also at University of Detroit uh, Mercy, there was a couple of students from there as well that worked on um, 
some of our uh, early stuff. Um, and then we've had uh, a number of people volunteer here lately that um, are interested in helping us do a Wikithon or, and Wiki pages. Uh, so, and a lot of students are still coming forward. Actually, we did a, a lecture just last month and mm-hmm. had some students that are stepping up. So, um, we're going to try to figure out how to schedule that now with everything that's going on yeah. <laughs> in the world right now with the, uh, with the virus. But uh, um, we are going to get back on track and get them uh, get something scheduled uh, so we can talk to everybody about how to how do we do get some pre data uh, typed up and ready for Wikipage when we do the Wikithon. Yeah. Yeah. Their names are Sandra Little and Karen Davis Burton. Um, the project is called Noir Design Party. We'll have information all about that on the show notes. You can look them up on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. They are all there. Uh, why don't you go connect with them right now and say hi and that you heard them here on the Entree Architect podcast uh, and, and see how you can help them build their project. So if there's anything that you can do, if you have any information for them, any, any volunteers out there, connect with them and say hi. Uh, Sandra and Karen, this has been a very interesting conversation for me. It's inspiring. I'm hoping that there are other people who are listening right now who have similar ideas and you have inspired them to execute because I think very often we have these ideas that sort of are buried in the back of our minds that keep popping up, you know, all through our lives. I should should do this. I should do this. And very often it just takes to hear somebody else who've done it to, to be the Mm -hmm. inspiration to execute on it. Cause really it just takes like that initial conversation that you had, you should write a book, you know, well, why don't we, why don't we apply for this grant and see what happens? You know, it really just takes that one decision to start. Yes. Right. right. You don't have to figure the whole thing out. You just need to figure out how are you going to start. Right. And so if you have those ideas and you think you can contribute to the profession in any way, just start. There's a perfect example right here. I appreciate you both for coming here and sharing your stories and, and for the leadership that you have taken on yourselves to contribute to the profession. I thank you very much for doing that and for joining me here today at Entree Architect Podcast. Thank Thank you. you. Thanks for having us on. This has been episode 326 with Sandra Little and Karen Davis Burton of Noir Design Party. And it, it is such an inspiring conversation. So I encourage you, I encourage you to share this episode with a friend, entrearchitects.com slash episode 326. Let's get the word out about what Sandra and Karen are working on and inspire others to do their part to make the profession stronger by telling the stories of our past, of all of our past. As I wrap up today, I want you to listen to the words that I speak and share each week here at Entree Architect. These three words are the answer to so many of the problems that we have here within our profession and throughout the world. If we all just lived our lives following this creed, the world would be better, would be happier, would be healthier, safer, would be more secure. It would be united. All of us would be united. Three words, take them in, think about them, then take action on each one. How can you make your world, the world, within your control, how can you make your world better by living these three words, simple words that are so powerful. 
Love. Learn. Share. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, we'll buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like, how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that (laughs) then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's, it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? (laughs) We did it guys. One that came out of nowhere. It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity, where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast, it's a community where dreams meet action. There is a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was, it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is going to be a priority. When the job is done, we're going to actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. <laughs> and so for me, the, the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.